T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. They've been aggressive all year. Obviously, when you're aggressive and it doesn't work, you know, it's, it comes back to bite you, and they come back to bite them yesterday. And, again, I would have taken the points. I've been in those situations. I, I look at them and I say, okay, this is the opportunity for you to continue to keep the pressure on the 49ers to make great plays, and you were in a good position. So, no, it's an aggressive coach, an aggressive mentality. I'm sure the players really wanted to go for it, you know, when you're on the field and you feel like you let them down. But, you know, at the same time, the coach has got to make – in his mind, the best decision to win, and it obviously didn't work out for the Lions. Tom Brady, part of his podcast on uh, Dan Campbell's decision-making in that NFC Championship game. Please don't replace Greg Olson with Tom Brady. <laughs> Please don't replace Greg Olson with Tom Brady. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Jeremy and Joe with you. We'll talk a little bit about that Lions game and some of those decisions. Yesterday was an all-timer in the whole, like, here come, here come the conversations about every the nerds. Every bit of analytics. That's my favorite part about this. It's always been, for me, one of my biggest beefs with every time this comes up. You go to the studio show, and here's Boomer Esiason or whoever mm-hmm. yelling at the people that have taken over football. And it's like, when will someone acknowledge that it's the head coach that makes these decisions? Mm-hmm. It's Mike Florio yesterday, a big, long piece, anecdotal story, how one coach told him people that believe in this stuff don't belong in the sport. And you just want somebody to shake him and say, buddy, Dan Campbell made the call. Biting kneecaps guy is the guy that made the call. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, with that, Joe Yurden of uh, NotedHockey.com, uh, contributor Bleacher Report, and also noted Lions fan joins us on the uh, Western Hotline. We're going to talk Sabres at the break, but we're going to dig in. We're going to dig into your emotions, Joe, for a minute on the Lions because uh, Joe and I, Joe Sneaky Joe and I were discussing, did you ever get to a point where you truly believed during that game, or were you were you protecting yourself at halftime? The uh, the fun part, fun in uh, heavy quotations here. Uh, the fun part of being a Lions fan is that you never believe. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, it, it's you know, call it self defense, call it you know, protecting your heart, call it all that stuff. But you don't believe until you know the the the, the final zeros are on the board. And you're like, oh, okay, they did it. <laughs> or oh yep there we go that's that's how that goes you, you know I, the the whole time and you know I, I know people are just like oh they blew a lead they did all this I'm like brother they've been blowing leads as long as I've been a fan of the team and you know big leads at halftime big leads third quarter anytime they just they they always do it and you know this was the first time I think all 
geez, forever. I mean, even, you know, even being a kid watching the, the Barry Sanders teams, it was always like, well, they're going to blow this somehow. And this was the first time around where, you know, they beat the Rams the way they did. That was the first time where it was like, oh, well, well, that's a different thing. They didn't blow it. They didn't blow it. And they, they pulled out a win. And even the Tampa game was, was a little bit of that, although I felt they had that game in, under a lot more control. Um, but, you know, you're talking about them playing the number one team in the NFC, and it's a road game. And the last time they won a road playoff game was 1957. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, it's a lot of those things where it's just evidence is stacked up against it saying – they're get, if they win this, it's it's almost miraculous. You know, even they could have been up, it could have been forty to nothing, and then won forty to thirty nine, and it would have been like, well, <laughs> there we go, same old Lions. But they would have won. But you know, it wasn't like that this time. And you know, I I, I said it very briefly on Twitter yesterday. They died how they lived. Yeah. You know, it, it's it, it. You know, for people being like, "Oh my God, can't you? You know, can you believe they they went for it? They they, they didn't go for the silver." Yeah, I can. I watched it all year. I've been watching it, watching Campbell coach this team this way forever. So you know, since he took over. So it's you know, it stinks. It stinks for them to lose. But I don't know. I I can I can kind of be proud of them for just kind of always sticking to their guns and and being who they are. Joe, I made a comparison yesterday about. You know, you you live here and watch the Bills too, and see how they play. Mm-hmm. I made a comparison to Bills fans and how they feel about Josh Allen. Who, you know, he th- there's going to be a game along the way where you die like you live, which is throwing down the field, making freakish plays, jumping over linebackers. If he fumbles on one of those plays, we're all going to look at it and say like, well, that that's who we all signed up for. Joe's over mm-hmm. here saying ride or die. And it feels to me like Lions fans would probably feel the same way about Dan Campbell. He came in, he changed things, he's fun, he's good, and hey, if if we die that way, that's how we live. So, you know, he's our guy, who cares? Yeah, and I think, I think you know, I, I, in all the yelling and all the stuff that's been going on since that game ended, uh, you know, people screaming about this, and, you know, even, you know, a buddy of mine, you know, and forgive him for this, he's a huge Patriots fan, he's a lifetime Pats fan. Unforgivable. And I, <laughs> but he was screaming up and down about how, you know, and, you know, maybe he's doing this, maybe he's doing it just for, you know, trying to get reactions out of people or whatever, because, you know, he's got my, myself and a couple other, a couple other buddies from college who are, who are Lions fans, but, you know, he was trying to invoke this, you know, the Lions being close like this to being like the Red Sox. And, you know, it's like, oh, cursed franchise, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, brother, the Red Sox, I get, because they're always there. You know, they're always, they were always in the playoffs and they always fell short. It's the first time the Lions have been in the playoffs in, in years. And this, the, you know, the, the first time they had been in a position to be in the NFC title game since 92. And before that, I don't know, the 50s, you know, it's, yeah. It's it's more like the Cubs or or you know the the Indian Guardians you know kind of kind of setup where they're there so 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 few times and so so rarely it's kind of like I don't know we signed up for this we're good <laughs> you know like this this is our this is our lot in life and this is how it goes but you know for for me to to be critical of Dan Campbell in these moments no way man like if he coaches like a normal you know like a garden variety coach. That yeah. they don't make the playoffs, they don't make any of this progress, and he probably would have got fired a year ago. So you know, it's you you sign up for this and you accept it. And I think you know, that watering yeah. that down somehow is just it makes him not him. So that's that's okay. Yeah, I saw this by the way that they were on in fourth and three or shorter this season. 
the Lions were 17 of 20 at converting. Yeah. Like they were they were very good in those situations. And mm-hmm. also, I don't know if if you agree with this or you get the same sentiment because you would have watched more of their games closer than I did, but I get the sense that Campbell's not also just like got a math guy in his ear and he just listens to everything that that guy says because if you remember the Cowboy game, fourth and seven or not fourth and seven, what was it? The two point conversion yeah, two point from conversion. the seven. Mm-hmm. And Joe, like everyone on Twitter as he's about to go for that is going, uh, no, this is dumb. The numbers even are way in favor of kicking the extra point now. And there was mm-hmm. Campbell still like, no, I'm going for it. So like, yeah. I almost wonder if it is a little bit of analytics from him. But he's just, you know, he's in line with, I guess, what the analytics say more often than other guys that do gut analytics. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's definitely a coach that's, you know, up in the booth that's saying like, okay, you know, or he's asking, okay, what do the numbers say? All right, well, here's what I was going to do anyways. You know, <laughs> you know, I could see him being one of those guys, and that, you know, it, that that coach can tell him, you know, the numbers and give him give him all the the information, but he might just say like, no, nah, I think now's the time we're going to try this out. Um, you know, I mean, you know, listen, the the, the that NFC title game. I mean, geez, you know, if if Reynolds makes a you know one one catch that would have been impossible, uh, and another one later that probably should have made. <laughs> he, yep. You know, mm-hmm. the ball's right on his hip. He's got to make that catch. But you know, we're, we're we're talking you know a whole different kind of thing here. But like that's the, the ifs and buts and shoulda, coulda, wouldas that where you know you're going to drive yourself crazy thinking about mm-hmm. these things you know the i mean people are mad about the third and one third and one or uh, third and goal play where they run it and i'm like i don't know if, if he calls pass there golf's going to be swarmed over from that side of the line and he's either running for his life or he's or he's throwing you know some kind of you know trying to throw something you know maybe that's not going to work and it's the same result but i don't know it, it's 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 kind of like having you know your fates assigned to you, but you know I don't know. Campbell's been able to to kind of buck that for for most of his time being a Lions coach, where you know the fate of the Lions is to be the loser, to the fall in line behind Minnesota or Green Bay, and just you know just accept that you're a loser franchise. He's kind of changed that a little bit. Joe Yurden, on this has been talking with a Lions fan that's a friend of yours. <laughs> now we'll, we'll, we'll shift gears, Joe, from a team that had a good season, a good fun, arguably overachieving season, to a team that's having a uh, really dreadful underachieving season, the, the Buffalo Sabres. Here we are at the All-Star mm-hmm. break. You you cover the Sabres and write about the Sabres at your website, notedhockey.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Quinn injury, another thing that's gone wrong. Joe, here's the challenge. What's gone right for the Sabres to this point, in your opinion? I mean, you really have to hunt for it. You do. Um, is it Paterka? Like, is that all I've got is Paterka continues to be good. There's not a lot going well for them. They have a goalie, maybe, that's not yeah. you know, horrible. L- Lukanen's yeah. been a nice story. And after that, like, yeah. it's, it's tough. Yeah, I, I think you guys nailed both of them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Paterka, is a, Paterka emerging is a, is, a, is a great thing because I think we're all kind of – half expecting that to happen saying like, well, he's got a year under his belt. Let's, let's see where it goes from here. And I think we were saying that about Quinn too, until, you know, we had that, had that nixed for us right before the draft started. But, um, but yeah, it's Paterka and it's Lukanen. And, you know, I, I you know, it, the Lukanen thing is, is great to see because, you know, you've been needing a goalie to, to take the reins and just kind of go with it and, and see where it goes from there. Even still, you're kind of holding your breath just a little bit because we saw a little bit of that last year from Lukanen. But although I'll say the body language and his attitude and everything are 
night and day from last year. You know, last year there was still some of that a uh, little bit of the deer in the headlights with Lukanen. You know, it, while you know he was so good through November and December, and then had a couple of bad starts that January, that it was like, uh oh, and then things really went off the rails. I, he seems to be a much different player this year, and I'd say that kind of knowing that. I don't know. Anything can happen, you know, given how the way, the way things have gone this season. But, um, but I, I, I love the way Paterka's playing right now. It's really unfortunate that the all-star break has come up um, because anybody who's on a heater, you want to see him keep doing it. And, you know, a week and a half away where you know, he's probably going somewhere nice, sunny and warm and hanging out, hanging out with some of the other guys for, for the next week. But um you want to see him continue that, but it's yeah, yeah. The the bright spots have been been pretty few and far between. Yeah, I love the way Benson's played, um, but you want to see more offense. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's tough. It's tough being 18 and his size in the NHL, and trying to you know find ways to to get to the net and not you know get your head taken off all the time. You know that's hard, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I say up and down, I absolutely love the way he's playing, but it's, you know, it's hard. I mean, he hasn't scored a goal since mid December, hasn't had a point since December 30th. It's, it's tough. It's tough, but you know, maybe, maybe now with Quinn being out, maybe that's the, the chance to put Benson in that spot with Paterka and Cousins who's playing because Cousins is playing very well here now the last couple of weeks. So that's good. But, um, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I keep thinking back to how it went this summer when, you know, Quinn gets hurt and they didn't do anything to address it and just said, we're going to, you know, the, the competition's going to stay internal. Um, they didn't say that, but that's how it ended up working out. And, you know, it hasn't, hasn't really paid off. Hasn't really worked. Um, so you want to see them maybe do something here. Maybe, I don't know if you call up Kalik. I don't know if, you know, like how you handle it. They've got tons of guys already at forward. So, um, it, it, it's tough. You need you need a guy that can score to go in that spot. But I just I I don't know. I I would love to see Adams do something here to kind of show show that hey yeah we keep talking that we're interested in the, that you know we're in this playoff race. Well, here's something to help that out. I just don't know if that's going to happen though. Joe Yurden on the Sabers at the break here. Their bye week and the All Star break. Don Granato week off because they are of course on the break. Joe, the biggest question I have about the Sabres is, will they at any point show any urgency? Because it has been a franchise defined by inaction, and here's a season that has gone pretty much the wrong way. They got four out of six on that road trip. They're still nine points out. And I I don't know if this offseason will look urgent or if ever they will look like a team that thinks that they, they must make the playoffs at some point as the drought continues and lingers. I, I think that's my question. There becomes what what does urgency mean at this point? Because we're what we've got thirty three games to go. I think we're forty nine games. Yeah, so thirty three games to go, nine points out. The the numbers are stacked against you. Is the urgency? You want to see the urgency on the ice? I think yes. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. Yes, you want to see urgency from the front office. I think also yes. Uh, I think you want to show me some signs of life here because. Uh, you know, and I, and I get it. The perception from the outside is different than what the expectations were on the inside. I think, uh, although, you know, you ask anybody up and down, ask Adams, ask Granado, they all say playoffs was playoffs is the goal. Playoffs was the goal. That's always the goal every year. Okay, great. Um, but I, I, you got to show me some signs of life here because everybody, 
everybody in town is really mad. The fans are the fans are not quite a pop lock tick about this, but it's pretty close. Um, and you got to show you got to show that you know, hey, we're we're sorry about the first half. Here's here's what we're supposed to be. Show something like that because right now you're you're looking at a Sabres team that's what got the six best lottery odds, and that's not where this team's supposed to be right now. We're not we're not supposed to be scouting out Macklin Celebrini. We're we're not mm-hmm. <laughs> like none of us should be like paying this close attention to the draft. But yet this is where it's where it stands right now. But you know you know listen, it, it's been up to the players. The players will tell you every time that it's that's on them. They gotta they gotta prove it. But I think you got to see you got to see something more, maybe out of the front office. I don't know if it means making a deal or making a deal that you're supposed to make over the summer that you didn't make, but now it's time. I don't I don't know what that looks like from from anybody else off the you know off the ice because it's not. I mean, you, you put you you play you play the cards that you got, but it's it's been tough. And and I know any sort of reasons and you know excuses that come from the people up top are not going to be accepted by any any of the fans in town. Yeah, the 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 deal too that should be made because like even you know I I hear that and think oh they're nine points out like what am I what am I really trying to do here? Am I trying to get back in just to get into the race? Am I just trying to get meaningful games in March again? You know like what what's the goal here if their odds are so low and they've got so many teams and points to climb over but like even even if it's going to extend into the future joe like they've they got to make a trade at some point right like here here mm-hmm. they are again scott wheeler this morning's got them as like the number 2 prospect pool in the league and they've got all these forward prospects and you you talk about like okay like Kulik maybe up for Quinn but at some point you know that 2 for 1 type of trade involving prospects or 3 for 1 trade i feel like even if you got to do it at some point, right? Like they can't never do it. There's just too many guys that can't all make the team at some point. Yeah, and they've got. I mean, there's areas they got to address. There's needs they have to to look into, right? And I the 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 name the name I keep coming back to is David Juracek in Columbus because I see a young defenseman and again, you know, young player. I get it. Whatever. I see a young guy who's going through it. But is also mad, and I don't know if you saw Aaron Portsline's story there uh, recently, where Yurichek's basically like, "I don't know why I'm not in the NHL. Like this team stinks. I should be there playing there. I don't know why I'm in Cleveland. You know, there's no there's no reason for me to be for, for, to be doing this." He's like, "Hey, you know, it's great playing in Cleveland. The guys are great, but I ain't supposed to be here." I look at that as an opportunity to say, "Hey, listen, we got a bunch of prospects. If we want to make a prospect swap here." How does that sound to you guys? And you know, maybe I, you know, if if I if I'm Kevin, maybe I'm calling calling Yarmo and saying like, hey man, I don't know if you're if you've got a lot of time left there, but let's let's swing a deal. Let's try to make something happen. Um, you know, that's I think that's the kind of trade where you can if you're going to trade some of your own prospects, getting another one, getting somebody else's prospect in returns, not such a bad plan, but. Um, but I mean, that's just one, that's just one thing. I don't know, you know, I, I, and I don't know if like a 19, 19 year old defenseman is going to, is going to move the needle for, for anybody here, or if people have the patience for that kind of stuff here to add another young guy to the mix. But I don't know. I, I see a right, right shot defenseman and I start thinking like, Oh boy, this would be fun to have for, for a while. This would be a good idea. And Oh wait, he's Yuri Kulik's best friend. Wow. That sounds cool too. Let's make that work. But 
Um, but that's but that's like just a, just one of the handfuls of you know dream possibilities you can come up with for finding the best way to move some of the guys that you just know that you're going to run out of spots to to try to you know create a future lineup for them. Joe Yarden on the Western Hotline of uh, Noted Hockey and the Maintenance Day Podcast and contributor to Bleacher Report. Joe, thanks very much. Sorry about the Lions. We're excited to watch them next year, though. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how they handle expectations because uh, yeah. I know they're, they're the hopeful ones this year because of the way they finished last season. But uh, it's it's going to be a lot harder. Green Bay certainly looks like they're not going to fade, so and we'll see. And Chicago looks like maybe they might finally get something together. We'll see what they do at quarterback, though. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, they're the other they, they're the Lions with better PR in that division. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Joe Yarden. You can follow him at. Uh, NotedHockey.com. When we get back, Joe, from the makers of wedding idea of the day, mm-hmm. wide receiver idea of the day? Yes. Right? Yes. So I had somebody yep. yesterday on Twitter say to me, hey, forget about drafting a guy in the first round. What about signing this guy? Tell you who that is. Hmm. We'll kick that around as the wide receiver train idea of the day. And are there enough receivers to get us all the way to the draft? There probably are. How many days between now? When when's the NFL draft this year? Ooh, we get a countdown on the board. We we th- we should already have that up there. Yes, we, we have, should. Uh, April twenty fifth is round one, and there are until April twenty fifth, not January twenty fifth. Eighty six days. Eighty six days. Can we, we come up with eighty six wide receivers? I mean, there's weekends in there. We don't have to even do it. Fair. Or how many weekdays? We're like 60. Only 60 weekdays-ish. I think we could, think we could anyway, come up with 60. Wide receiver idea of the day. It was sent to me. I promptly shot it down. But maybe you'll like it. We'll see. That's up next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. You want to be efficient, you want to be explosive, it's hard to be both. That being said, however, you need to create explosive plays. When you look at scoring points, usually a scoring drive has baked into it an explosive run or an explosive pass. I understand that, we understand that, and that's part of us moving forward as we look at our roster and we look at player acquisition, something that we need to take a hard look at. Bill's head coach, Sean McCormick. You're going to hear that explosive plays clip. A lot for the next 86 days. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. 
Talked a lot about whether or not the Bills, it's right to claim they're close to the Chiefs. You can join us on that. You can vote in our Twitter poll. But wide receiver idea of the day. Yes. Okay? Let's do it. I had a message. Yeah, hit that horn. By the way, when do we formally announce that it's going to be two receivers that we need? we're demanding two? Um, would you like to formally announce that? We, might, we, we could. We, we might. Should we fall in love with two different ideas first? Like you got to have two guys ready to go. It's like your two favorite. Because like for me right now, I have Troy Franklin. Yes, I would need gr- Troy Franklin a- and another guy. And like, okay, this is what I want. Definitively, my two guys because they need two. Yeah, I look at it more like you're building a Thanksgiving dinner and you need a couple of different sides. Mm-hmm. I like, Alan's the turkey. Yes, and, and I'm a, we need yeah. some some mashed potatoes. We're gonna need a casserole. We already have D- Diggs is the stuffing. Fine, it's the star of the show. We got that. I, so you need different styles of yeah. receivers here. You got a Troy Franklin. Boom, done. That's one. I need another one. So to this point on the wide receiver idea of the day. I want to also mention how significant it is that the Bills, if they do move on from Gabe Davis, how significant that is. They love him. Yeah. They love him. Yep. Hardest worker, iron, all the good stuff, right? Everything about Gabe, they love him. And if they let him walk, that's the salary cap in action. So to a point here about the salary cap, the cap's not real. The cap's not real. Like, What can they afford? What can't they afford? If they're telling you they can't afford Gabe Davis, if they could afford him, I think they would keep him. I really do. But they can't. You think? They signed Dawson Knox to big money. They signed their own guys. And I think if they could afford Gabe, they would pay him. But did they know when they paid Dawson Knox that means we're not paying Gabe Davis? Did they project that out at the time? We talked about that at the time. It had to be one of the two. We said they they can't pay Gabe now. So put that aside. All right, so Gabe's, Gabe's gone. Yep. Yesterday, someone last night wrote to me, I think his name is Reno, wrote in and said, forget wide receiver at 28. How about Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, free agent wide receiver, formerly of the Ravens, got traded for a first-round pick, by the way, to the Cardinals. Yep. Yep. Marquise Brown. How do you like the idea of Marquise Brown, a free agent, to join this team? He's had 100 targets four years in a row. He, though, is... Isn't he to a T the explosive plays that McDermott was just talking about in that clip? Yes. He's super fast. He's down the field. He's a separator too, right? Um, He runs the speed routes very, very well. I'm reading it Matt Harmon's receptionperception.com about Marquise Brown. Like, what okay. do we- and he ran a four two seven at the, at yeah. the combine way back when, or at his pro day. A lot when. of speed, yeah, a lot of deep threat potential. Not exactly a complete receiver. What Matt Harmon basically writes about him is he's underrated, and what he does well, he does really well. This is not a complete receiver. This is not somebody right. that does everything for you. He's not going to block like Gabe Davis did. Sure. I don't think. I don't think he's five nine. Right, like, right. I'm just not expecting that. He, he might be your next John Brown. Yeah, and they. Both played for Arizona. Maybe that comparison's not great, but well, I kind of like that. He, John Brown was a burner back in the yeah. day. That was like a good route runner at everything. I don't hate the idea of Marquise Brown as a player, as a type. There's a problem. Spotrac puts his market value at fourteen million dollars. Four years, mm-hmm. actually closer to fifteen. Four years and sixty million dollars. Sal writes in that Brad Spielberger says Marquise Brown's one of the top guys the Bills might and should pursue when he was on One Bills Live. All right, 
So $14 million, instead of Gabe, it's going to be on Marquise Brown. Now, the guy that wrote this to me said, forget first-round receiver, go Marquise Brown. And to me, that is an absolute no. There is no world in which the Bills can ignore receiver and pay for it. They have mm-hmm. to draft one. They have to get young and cheap. And if they sign Marquise Brown, it just can't be $14 million, right? Do they have 14? This I was is- going to say, at what point, how high is the number when you go, okay, they can't do that? Or like, like in your mind right now? None of us are capologists here, but like we, we understand it enough. Like, what was Leonard Floyd last year? That was the one-year, $9 million nine, nine, contract? Yeah, yeah. Like, is that the max that we think they could do for it, a veteran receiver, it, even it, if it's with a rookie? Here's what I would ask, though, instead. if, if Marquise, Is Marquise Brown getting more money than Gabe Davis? I think he should, but I bet, I bet they're pretty close. I bet maybe he's a couple million more. Okay, so. Yeah, a couple million more. If the Bills had... Thirteen million to spend on receiver. Would they spend thirteen on Marquise Brown or ten on Gabe? What's more likely? They love Gabe. It's all we ever hear. Aren't they just going to keep their guy, who is the right guy and works and everything? And but don't I want to trust them to know that they need a different skill set? So they'll they'll they will add another skill set. The question gets down to. As the wide receiver ideas start to flow in, like we said, the Thanksgiving dinner, they need one of these and one of these and one of these. If they get Marquise Brown, I'm not mad about that. They must draft one in addition to signing a guy like Marquise Brown. Yeah. I just think Marquise Brown ends up being too expensive. Right. Four, four years, $14 million a year is Spotrek's rough estimate. He's a 27-year-old wide receiver Yep. that... I'm, I've got Diggs at, at age 30 and now Marquise Brown at age 27. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. The explosiveness and what he can do on the outside, that lines up. Yeah. Right. What, where it doesn't line up is he's not young and cheap. And this team, they need to start getting young and cheap. Right. No, I agree with that. I mean, because what Brown does is he satisfies your short-term need for who's my best for next season. Who is a better idea? Who's going to give me more? opposite of Stefan Diggs. Like Marquise Brown might be a more safe answer to that question than who they draft. Than Troy Franklin in the first round, sure. Like I, I think first round receivers are hitting at a at a rate where I don't think it's much of a risk, but you know what Brown is. And in that way, like you're paying for it because you're getting a assur- you're getting assurance that this player is going to be exactly what I'm looking for. But what he's not is any type of idea to be your down the road number one receiver to replace Stephon Diggs? You're not. Do- no, nope. he's not that. That's right. Because when Diggs is 33, and maybe that's when they move on from him, or he's at a point where he's playing in the slot because he can't get open, you know, the way he used to. Now Marquise Brown is 30 years old, and even in Baltimore and in Arizona, he's been good. Is he like? The guy you want being your number well, on a great team. Is he your number one wide receiver? No, definitely not. You might rather have him be your number two. He'd be a great number two. Yeah. So, like, what I'm getting from Troy Franklin, what I'm getting for Xavier Worthy, what I'm getting from, you know, who was uh, the guy my brother was talking about last hour from uh, North Carolina? Uh, uh, Xavier Leggett. Xavier Leggett. Like, uh, any of these guys, I'm thinking this guy's helping me in that Marquise Brown way for year one, and I've got the potential that three years down the road, this player's developed into my future number one receiver. They need to start taking swings at that because the longer they push that down the road, 
the the harder it's going to be to replace the Diggs production when they need to do it. And you never know when you need to do right. it. It's possible they need to do it right now. Which is why, again, like the Brown idea, I'm setting aside. I'm not against it, but I will not listen to it instead of the first-round receiver. You just can't do it. You need to get it down to where it's like a ch- – it just doesn't seem he, likely what, what, that he'll get down to the contract that makes it sound like – like I, in my dream scenario I tweeted about yesterday, I had a rookie receiver in there with Troy Franklin, and I had Kendrick Bourne in there. Because Bourne's another one of these like route runner guys. It sounds like he's underrated from a lot of the the people that study him. But the reason I put Bourne in there is because he's he's looking at like one year four million dollars. Right. When they signed Emmanuel Sanders, it was one year six million. Yeah, like that. Like that's that is perfect if they can find that. Yeah, and uh, hell, if you told me Marquise Brown's market for whatever reason was completely shot, and I can get him a well, one year, like I would. Oh my gosh, I would do a cartwheel through the streets could, if, he, could, if that happened. Could the Bills possibly get to, all right, it's a year where, could they get him on a Beckham deal? I mean, again, like Beckham was 15 and six, Beckham got well, 16. Hopkins was lower than that, wasn't Hopkins it? was a little lower. Could you get Marquise Brown on a, hey, come here, prove yourself and get paid? I just, it's, You're, it's tough because he's at, he's a he's little late for that. Right. He's not 31. Right. He's a yeah. little old for that. So I don't like your chances. But Marquise Brown, as an idea, Joe, as we're talking about different types of receivers you'd like to see play with Josh Allen, I had a thought yesterday of, find me a Deshaun Jackson. Get me one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Burner. That When Josh Allen throws it 70 yards in the air down the field, he's five yards behind the secondary because he's so fast, and all he does is catch deep touchdowns. You want to make sure that you can open up your deep passing game, not just like over-the-top passing game, but if everybody has to back off because I've got – whether it's Marquise Brown or Deshaun Jackson or somebody like that, a burner, then maybe it opens things up. So this wide receiver idea of the day of Marquise Brown, if you want to give us a call, go for it, 803-0550. I don't hate the player. I cannot substitute it for the first-round pick, which is what the suggestion came in via Twitter. Joe and Attica. Hey, Joe, good morning. Good morning, guys. Um, you know, By the time we get to this point next year, we're going to be like, Gabe who? Because we're going to draft a first-round wide receiver, and I really think that we should go after probably like a fourth-round wide receiver as well. We got to get mm-hmm. younger at, at that position, and I, I guess I'm okay with us bringing in some sort of cheap rental for a year. But you know, mm-hmm. the, the goal every year needs to be we have to draft the wide receiver every year. Yeah, and keep that pipeline going. I tend to agree. They I mean, need, this is the Packers. Right? They, the Packers they, just they, did they need this. to find their way yeah. to somebody that can play a role, and within two years, they'll need an entirely new receiver core for Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, Shakir even then will be up. That'll be. Ah, uh, that might be three years. Right. He's, he's, he just played a second year. Oh, no, you're right. So he's two more, two more seasons. So, I mean, maybe, the third maybe, maybe he now. stays. Maybe he gets paid. But the point is that Diggs, I mean, Diggs is definitely here for another year or two. And can continue to, I think, be very good. But the future, planning this out, look at how they planned with defensive ends, right? It's It mm-hmm. was, you can never have enough defensive ends. And they just drafted Epinesa and Boogie Basham and Greg Rousseau and signed Vaughn and signed Leonard Floyd. They need to treat receiver like they have treated defensive end. I was going to say, because the other thing, too, here is, like, I, I listen, the, the Leonard Floyd contract we just mentioned, and, like, I think the Bills are going to need to draft first or second round at least wide receiver. Like they just have to do it. And okay, do they have fourteen million dollars to pay Marquise Brown? They might, 
But the pro- the problem, like in in terms of just like, could they theoretically do it? They could do it if you plan on your all of your other additions being like vet minimum contracts, and, and I don't see that because. If I'm spending a first round pick on a receiver, and if I want to spend five, six million dollars on my other veteran receiver that can be my insurance in case the rookie isn't ready to play right away for whatever reason, uh, I've got a, a certain amount of dollars that I need to use for smart, calculated signings at the defensive line and at safety, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't go bare bones there. I got to. They're gonna do something. Maybe they don't sign a $9 million Leonard Floyd, but do they need to spend $5 million bucks on what defensive tackle is going to be? Do they need to spend $8 million on def- what defensive end is going to be? Do they need to spend four on another safety? Like They're going to have to pick and choose at those other positions if they're going to invest the big stuff in wide receiver. You invest a first-round pick or a second-round pick in receiver, and you sign Marquise Brown, uh, you are at vet minimum guys at those other positions, and they're not going to do that. 803-0550. If you're on hold, we'll get right to your call. We're going to get a break in. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. Stat of the day. We each have one before we get to a call. Stat of the day. Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. All right, Josh, I want to decide which one's better. Yeah, you go. You go All first. Right. So I know what I have to beat. So no Alabama players are on the Niners or the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. No player who finished college at Alabama has scored a point in a Super Bowl. Finished college might be a cheat. A little bit. 143 other colleges, including the Coast Guard, yeah. have scored in the Super Bowl. But nobody that finished at Alabama, drafted out of Alabama, if you will. Okay. That's your entry for stat of the day. My entry for stat of the day is, I learned this yesterday, the 1992... Dream Team, basketball dream team, Michael Jordan. The 1992 basketball dream team, their head coach Chuck Daly never called a timeout during the entire tournament. (laughs) Wow. That's what I learned. They never needed to draw something up against Angola? Did not call a single timeout. I think I gotta go with the Alabama. On that. Oh. But the timeout? That, no, I don't know because like you're. I mean, you're Alabama. Like you don't need a timeout if you're Michael Jordan. Right. Apparently right. not. Tell Alabama. The, tell tell is, that to Phil Jackson. He called timeouts. Yeah. This is like the football powerhouse of the last at least two decades, if not all time. Is it cheating though? Is it only guys that finished? You tell me, like, or just do underclassmen count? I think the only person that I can think of as to why this would be that is because Jalen Hurts would ruin the stat then. Yeah. But he played at Oklahoma. He got drafted out of Oklahoma. And he had a better career at Oklahoma, too. Right? I mean, he was in the national championship game at Alabama. But he got benched. For Tua. He, right, he had better numbers. at. Uh, didn't he win the Heisman at Oklahoma? Or was he a Heisman candidate? Candidate. I don't think he won it. All right. 803-0550. Jimmy in Miami. Hey, Jimmy. Good morning. Hey, hey guys. Good morning. Hey, um, I, I don't think we're any closer to the Chiefs. I mean, we can't even get by Cincinnati. So I don't even know why... People would think they were closer to the Chiefs. With Burrow and Cincinnati, we lost to them twice. So I, this was the year with Kansas City at home, obviously, and with their offense not not doing as well as they have in pre- previous years. And with our defense, even with our defense shredded as it was, I mean, you, you give me Josh Allen with the ball at the 27-yard line with two minutes to go, I'll take that any day, but – 
for some reason, it just didn't happen. The plays that were called, whatever, I wish I had that third down back, you know, and uh, <clears throat> something else was called. But I, I just don't see how we're any closer. And, uh, I mean, like you guys were saying, we really need a receiver. I mean, that's going to that's gonna help a lot if we can get something in the first round. Um, but I, I just don't see it. Um, I, hey, I had one other <clears throat> one other thing, if you don't mind, a funny yeah. little story about, about Gabe Davis. Uh, if, if I could bring that up, um, okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm down here in Miami, and I listen to WQAM uh, mostly in the afternoon, you know, because I'm always listening to you guys in the morning. But anyway, uh, they had Javon Holland, the safety, on one day, and you know they get silly down here on the radio, and they're asking him all kinds of silly questions like, uh, "Who's the funniest guy in the team room?" and uh, I don't know, crazy, stupid things. But anyway, <clears throat> they asked him. Uh, Holland, they asked him, who's the toughest player you ever played against in the NFL? And, and he's only been in the league since, I think, 2021. But he's a pretty darn good safety. And I thought he was going to mention, you know, somebody like uh, T. Higgins or Jamar Chase or somebody like that. And he said Gabe Davis was the toughest guy that he's played against. And they asked him, why? And he says, well, he says, the guy drives me crazy. He says, uh, he, he said, well, I'm paraphrasing, you know, but he says he has a habit of, like, getting in my way whenever I'm trying to get to a play. Like, he's always holding me and grabbing me and he's shoving me, screaming me out of, out of, uh, out of where, I'm, where I'm supposed to get to. And he says, we've talked about it after the games several times. So, it, you know, it appears as though they're, they're kind of like friends, you know. I mean, I don't think they go out to dinner or anything. But he says we kind of joke about it. But he says the guy absolutely drives me crazy. And uh, he, he keeps me from doing my job, in other words, from what he was saying. But anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. But, uh, thanks, Jimmy. That's all I had. All right. Thanks. Thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks. for passing that along. Speaking of Javon Holland, maybe Leslie Frazier. He's a candidate for the defensive coordinator job in Miami, along with Bobby Babbage. They both mm-hmm. interviewed for that job. Frazier getting that job would be... I think really interesting. Just just the the storylines of it. Yeah. Him running that defense and like, okay, let's let's see. Can, what does your defense look like compared to McDermott's? What do you what are you were in the building for 4 years with Josh Allen. What what's your answer to defending Josh Allen? My guess is they would play him exactly how the Chiefs played him in the playoff game. Just back everybody up. Just make him throw 16 times at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Well, because Fangio didn't have answers. No, Fangio didn't have players either. But he's never had answers, even in Denver. Yeah. He did not have players at the end. 803-0550. Leslie Frazier to Miami. Maybe. Brandon Staley also getting interviewed in Miami. No. What do the Dolphins do in the first round? Offensive line? Do they have a first round pick? No, they don't. You're right. Which one did they – is this the Brady one that they lost, though, or is this the uh, the, the Tyree Kill one? Yeah. 2023 draft, their first pick – oh, sorry. I need the 2024 draft. Um, Let's see. The Dolphins have – they don't – oh, they do have a first-round pick. Oh, okay, good. They have, have good, a, good for them. They don't have a third or a fourth, uh, but they have a first-round pick. So what would they do? They're going to pick a wide receiver. No, they're not. Just to be – as crazy as possible. They're going to take... I mean, they might need help at the edge. They've got injuries there, right? Bradley Chubb's going to miss time. 
And so is Phillips. And so is Phillips. Right? Achilles could be out for the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. What do they it, need? They, you know what they really would want? They're going to be too low. Probably. Quarterback? No, I was going to say, well, <laughs> I was going to say Brock Bowers, but I don't think they're getting their hands on that guy. 803-0550. Jeremy and Joe, if you're on hold, stick with us. I like the question. Are the Bills close to the Chiefs? I get, I get so many yeses, and I just want to ask, like, how do we square how close they are in individual games with how not close they are in resume? Give a call. 803-0550 on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.